Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Welcome back, everybody. We have one of my favorite topics today, and it's about step parenting. And what I like about our guest, Maria Natapov. Hey, Maria. Hello. What I like about our guest today talking about step parenting is, um, A, first of all, she's a step parent coach. She has a podcast called Synergistic Step Parenting, and that's also the name of her company as as a step parent coach. But Maria was also a stepchild. So she's going to start by giving us her experience, what it was like when her parents got divorced and she became a stepchild. And then we're going to take her through, we're going to take you through her evolution of being a step parent to adopting, correct? I mean, this is, it's such a beautiful story. But the most important part of Maria is, so self-serving of me to say this, Maria. She lives in Boston. She knows about Mike's Pastry on the <laughs> North End, which is the premier Italian cannoli shop of death. The cannolis are as big as your head. And we do have a potential date in the future for me to fly into Boston and eat my way around starting at Mike's Pastry. And you are the only person I've talked to, Maria, in this podcasting journey that knows Mike's pastry. So well, I'm going to have to hold you to that, Judy. (laughs) Easy enough. It's about food. I I will stick with any commitment about food. Awesome. So here's what I want to ask you. I want to go back to you being a stepchild first. Sounds weird. Just that term sounds weird to me, a stepchild. It's like there's a child abandoned out in the street, something like that. But two questions. It's twofold. A, was the divorce amicable so that you could be with both parents? And then the second part of that is when one or both of your parents brought their new partners into the home where you were living or homes where you were living, what was that like, that transition? So start with how was the divorce? Yeah, so loaded. Um, The divorce was... It should have probably happened years and years before. As far back as I can remember, they did not have a good marriage. They did not get along. It was very tumultuous, lots of arguing. I remember my dad leaving for periods of time, like lengthy periods of time when I was really little. Um, and I primarily felt like I was raised by my grand, my maternal grandparents um, and my mom. And so like those were the, the constants and my dad was like in and out. And um, so I have also another unique scenario that I'm, I was an immigrant. So my family and I, my, both my parents and my maternal grandparents and I immigrated when I was eight years old from Moscow, Russia. Back then it wasn't a direct straight shot to America because we immigrated with the help of an organization, which I don't want to get into too much detail, but essentially the journey took about three months and we were lucky because it was kind of by lottery as far as the touch points of what you get to move on, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and the reason they chose to immigrate together is because I, 
in my former country, it was required to have consent of both parents for the child to leave the country. And when my dad said, well, I'm not going to let you take her, she said, my mom said, come with us then. So that's how that happened. And then they were still married. They were still married at the time. They were still married. They were separated like on and off and then yeah, still married. And, uh, I think they really tried to make it work and that was very apparently not not happening. So my dad left for good when I was um, still, I think when I turned nine years old and it was about 10 months after we arrived to America. So, um, and then I didn't hear from him for about a couple of years until he got settled. He didn't go far. He just went to New York. Um, obviously we were in Massachusetts. So, but um, I, I really didn't, hear from him regularly. I, I heard from him maybe about once a quarter or so. Um, saw him about once a year after those first couple of years when he reached out. So it was, a, it was a unique situation for me. But what became clear as I got older is just given the tumultuousness, I wonder if things could have been more amicable had they gotten divorced earlier on. And it's not, you know, that's not a rare scenario. I hear that from other um basically children of divorced parents as well, that they realize, oh, I really wish my parents didn't stay for me. But I think that is what they were trying to do, right? They were like, oh, we don't want our kid to have a broken home. So we want to stay. And it really, it was very rare for people to get divorced back then, especially in Russia. Um, I remember in my mom's close circle of friends, I think she was maybe the only one. So it just wasn't as common back then. Um, So yeah. Any siblings, Maria, any siblings? I'm an only, so no. (laughs) Um, So, and then, you know, my mom had to get on her feet and support myself, her and my grandparents. So she was a doctor in Russia. So she, her aim was to become a doctor here as well. And it was, it's like a whole 180 as far as approach to medicine here. So it took. So, uh, yeah, so my mom was a doctor in Russia. She decided to become a doctor here again. And it took several years because she had to learn the language. Um, Luckily, we were near Harvard Medical School. She formed like a study group with other Russian doctors who were looking to do the same. Um, But she was gone a lot, pretty much almost day and and night, really. I I saw her very rarely during those several formative years. Um, And my grandparents were the ones to raise me. And again, my father was not really in the picture very much. So, um, yeah. So (laughs) to answer your question. Did your mother remarry? She did eventually. She took a very long time. I was not at all open to the idea. And of course, now I understand more about it um, to her dating. And a lot of it had to do with nobody talked about my father. And when they did, they spoke very ill of him. And he would speak ill of my mom and my grandparents. So there's lots of messiness and um and there's lots of emotions that we never discussed because in my family you know my grandparents were holocaust survivors and world war ii survivors and so in my family was very much oh you don't talk about the bad things and then they basically don't exist and we're strong and we move on and we get busy with doing stuff (laughs) so uh how old were you when she remarried I was already in college, um, actually. Yeah, I think. And I was I was the one to sort of convince her because she was thinking, well, no, I don't need to get married. Like, this is fine for me. I found a good relationship. And I said, well, you deserve to be happy and you deserve to have a happy marriage. Like, it's not that all marriages end badly. Um, but 
yeah. So it it took a it took a while for her. And it's funny, we have also a unique situation that my mom knew my stepdad before. They were actually all friends when they were young and in Russia. Like there's pictures of them together. <laughs> they would sometimes really? go on family vacations together. Yeah. And my stepdad's um late wife, she passed away um from from cancer. So they weren't very close, like when they were like later on in America. So and funny how that happens. You know, yeah. you know each other in grade school, high school, and then everybody goes on their separate ways. Yeah. And then uh, because they of the connection to social media, things like that, you reconnect yeah. and all of a sudden you fall in love. I just find that so fascinating. Yes. It was really funny. So the other piece to that is my stepdad has a very dry sense of humor. And my mom didn't realize that he was just making jokes the whole time. So she was like not a big fan <laughs> because she took him literally. And then when his wife passed away, they had a mutual friend, a really close friend for both of them, a mutual friend. And that was how they reconnected and really like got to know each other much better. She realized that was just his sense of humor. And so that's when, yeah, their their story took off, which is... Yeah, so you're point, in college so and you go home. She's now with somebody else. What was it like when you entered the house and there was a new person there? So the funny thing is they were extremely respectful. And I think maybe that had to do with my stepdad processing his own emotions about his wife's passing. He was, my mom was, um, my mom was not one to, like I said, you know, in my family, we didn't do that. But he was always super open to, um, like I remember he had sought counseling and therapy and he was always open to like new ways of doing things and processing and communicating and like getting in touch with your emotions and neutralizing your, you know, like the perhaps negative emotions that tend to overtake us um, right. and bring us into reactivity. So it's interesting too, like when they first started dating, he was the one to like bring her to different communication workshops and like yoga retreats and all these different things, um, which I, which I definitely, Definitely think helped. And then just he's also an active guy who has lots of interests. So he he really brought her around to a new way of approaching you're things. Not, you're and a new talking way of life. about your mom. You're not talking about you. I want to know what yeah. it's like from your point of view, having yeah. a new person in the house when you get up in the morning, you go bed at night, even on on those times that you visited home from college. Sharp. So they didn't do that right away. And I think it was out of respect so that everybody had plenty of time to adjust. Okay. They it definitely happened later on during visits where like he would stay over. Um, he always was a very respectful presence. Like he he wasn't very much in my face. He was like very neutral, caring person, but kept his distance intentionally because I think he knew that it was challenging. Um, and an adjustment. So he was very respectful. My mom and I always butted heads. So I can't say that it was anything having to do with the divorce or like a new person coming around. Right. If anything, I actually think he created a lot more peace and helped us to resolve our stuff a lot of the time. And it's funny, I remember he would take the time to have like challenging conversations with me when my mom would pretty much wash her hands, mostly because she just sort of felt, I think, that I was unreachable. <laughs> um, but he did a really phenomenal job, like taking the time to listen to me, to explore, to hear my perspective, and then help her to understand my perspective. So, uh, which he definitely didn't need to do. So he actually played a really wonderful role in my situation of helping us to bridge our differences as opposed to creating more issues for us. Okay. So which I think is wonder, unique. I was just going to say that. Yes, I agree with you. 
you had an exceptional role model now for what you didn't know was going to take place later in your life, which is you eventually became a step parent. Correct. You're so lucky that you had a great role model, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Just so, so considerate. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Because I've heard other situations where, and I've even been in mediations where uh, adolescents, teenagers, parents divorce, one or both parents have other partners now. And I remember a situation where the girl was 13. She liked her father's new wife more than she liked her mother's new boyfriend. Mm -hmm. In fact, she was quite uncomfortable in the house with her mother's new boyfriend. I might diverge and say he wasn't a litigating attorney and he tended <laughs> to litigate meatloaf. I mean, there everything was a litigation in that house. And she's like, I'm just not comfortable. I don't want to be around him. And it was very difficult in the mediation for her to say this to her mother. So the mediation was about, and this is interesting because we met over a study group presentation you did about mediation in the step-parenting world. I, I, I didn't even yes. think about this connection <laughs> until this second. But this lovely 13-year-old girl um, came to the mediation. I did one mediation with just the four, par the, the four principles. And then I said, okay, now I know your situation. Let's bring in your daughter. Does she really want to be here? Yes, yes, yes. She wants us to have a me. Okay, fine. So the next week, the daughter comes in. All of the principals are sitting in the waiting room. I just want to talk to the daughter by herself. And she explained to me why she was uncomfortable over mom's boyfriend, but loved her mother. Not mm -hmm. uncomfortable with her mother. Wanted to spend time with her mother, but didn't want the package deal. She was very comfortable with her father's new wife and wanted to switch and live with dad. Okay, this is heartache for mom, right? Sure. And um, okay, so I got it straight. We bring everybody in and I nodded at her. I said, would you like to explain? She said, no, I want you to explain. I'm too nervous. And I said, okay. And so I, I just explained what was what was going on and mom started crying but, you know, tried to reassure mom, no, 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 she wants to spend time with you and not really asking you to not be with boyfriend, but just sharing with you, she's just not comfortable. The energy mm -hmm. isn't right for her. So what would you do in a situation like that if you had this brought to you, Maria? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, I mean, generally speaking, right, of course, um, not pushing, right? Like, I think that was the brilliant thing my stepdad did is he never pushed himself on me. He was just like, I'm a loving, guiding person. Like, he would send me articles or useful things that he thought I might, like, benefit from. Um, but he would never push. He wouldn't even so much as follow up about, like, did you see X, Y, Z? He would just sort of um, expose me or share things with me that that he thought, you know, was was useful and um, just always kind of looking to help in a very, um, in a very, in a way where he was sort of in the background, which was so interesting and, and kind of phenomenal that he managed to strike that balance. So I definitely always advise parents, like certainly if she's not comfortable yet, right? Like then she's not comfortable, but also exploring what are the reasons because is there a way to find a middle ground? 
right? And also just because she's not comfortable now doesn't mean that she can't build that rapport. Like maybe to your point, you know, again, I don't want to make a lot of assumptions, but for example, if she was saying the energy is too strong and it's too like combative perhaps, or just, you know, I don't feel like I can manage that and navigate that successfully. It's too much for me. So how can she build her skills to feel more confident and advocate for herself, right? Through the support of both her parents, as well as how can the step parent or the new, you know, boyfriend, partner, what's that, what have you, um, recognize that and realize he needs to keep it a little bit lower, right? Like how can they meet in the middle? Not not saying that people need to change who they are, but just there's always a compromise, I think, in every relationship. And it's about how much do you want that? And if you want that and you're willing to listen to the other person and consider their needs, then there may be some adjustments that you can make that um, you know, would would resolve those issues and help both feel more comfortable. Is there a message you have for parents now? If your child says, mom, I love you. I want to be with you. Or dad, same thing. Dad, I love you. I want to be with you. I'm just not comfortable with this new person you're with. How, How can parents look inside themselves and arrange their, I guess, arrange time with their new partner versus their children Uh, get to know each other in a different way? Are there things they can do to start building the relationship? Absolutely. So one, I think think it's always really critical and important for parents and children to spend time one-on-one without any extra folks. And honestly, I mean, I even think the same when like our children grow up and start dating and it's like, great, let's do that. But in addition, let's also still have the one-on-one time, right? Like it, Because I think the parental relationship evolves into a mentorship, but unless you have that one-on-one time, you're just not going to get the full story. Um, There's just too much going on, too many people to consider, perhaps too much noise or distraction. You may never get to the heart of what's going on, right? Like as far as that genuine catch up, it may just not happen. So it's, it's, I think, valuable to really intentionally create that space. And the message that sends to your kid is, hey, I care and I want to know what's going on for you. And I want to know what's hard and what just questions you might have or what you might need help with, you know, what's going on for you in your life and to maintain that relationship. And then on top of that, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. You go ahead. I want you to finish. (laughs) No, no worries. Um, And then I think the other piece is it offers an opportunity to explore, right? Like we all have our own assumptions and we all have our own experiences and then they color how we see things and what then we possibly even see as a possibility as far as like what's available to us. So for example, if somebody had a bad experience with somebody who was like domineering, right? Like just to follow along with this example we've been discussing the and they're not burning, can't stop <laughs> yeah. litigating the meatloaf. Yep. Right. And the child, it doesn't have the skills, then she might be missing the opportunity for like, he might genuinely really, really care about her and mom. And he might be doing all these wonderful things, but she's not seeing that because all she's seeing is this initial energy, this initial front that's just too much and it's overbearing everything else that might be really, really good. And so mom, for example, could 
point out or, you know, perhaps share, hey, you know, you actually have like these things in common and you have these common interests and, you know, what do you think? And helping the child to make sense of their emotions, right? Because a lot of times too, whenever we have anger, a piece of it is with another person, perhaps or circumstance. And another piece is usually something about what we are not doing or we don't feel we're able to do in some way that we're letting ourselves down. And for children, that makes a lot of sense because they just don't have the skills yet and they don't have the frame of reference of experience like adults do. So that's where parents can play a really critical role to help them identify that perhaps skill deficit or um, perhaps where they're getting stuck in just one perspective and help them to see the broader possibilities of what's available to them, as well as help them to build those skills and really make more sense of a situation um, that may serve them, right? And when we really consider these situations hold on, too. Hold on. There's too many things I want to go Sorry. back to. We're going to get off. Of, yeah. I, I, I need to stop at certain points and focus yes, on some things. No worries. So, Sorry. couple things. A, parents are older and need to lead the charge. Yeah. You cannot expect your children to adjust in a divorce situation. I mean, come on. They expected, even though the household may not have been great, you know, everybody expects to live in a house with their biological parents and some feel better when they're not. But for me, this is the way I was thinking. The parents need to take the responsibility to making the child feel good in this yeah. new situation, in this transition period. Not so much the child learning how to adjust, but the parents learning how to provide an environment for the child so that the child can adjust. What do you think about that reasoning? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think it's a little bit of both, but I totally agree with you. And especially in the beginning, it is more the parent's responsibility because they're the adults. They're the ones making the choices. The child usually never has a say in whether or not their parents get divorced. So they didn't ask for this. Um, and I mean, I hate to say it, but they also didn't ask to be born. So there's like really a lot there. I always and, say that. I did not yeah. ask to be born. Don't it. <laughs> and so, you know, yeah, it does come down to the parent. However, I think in leading the child to towards the compromise, right? Through both like assessing their own emotions, um, kind of challenging a little bit perspectives or perhaps assumptions that are being made and yeah. also even learning how to adjust and and be resilient towards change even sometimes uncomfortable change i think those are necessary life skills right and all all of that really is an opportunity for building those skills cuz they're th through life, they're going to face those challenges no matter right. what. Life just gets you. And so I look at it more as it's an opportunity to now start leading the way through these yes. through these circumstances towards that. So how do we explore, right. you know, compromising and just considering, considering other people besides ourselves? That's a really tough thing for kids. Um, right. And it makes sense. And well, I'm right, because their world is them. Sure. And I'm not saying that they should be forced into that very quickly at all by any means. I'm just saying that it's a great opportunity to start exploring how to consider other people and think about things from another's point of view and not just our own. Right. Okay. Then also something else you said that I think is extremely important, and that is spending one-on-one -on -one time with your parents, not making the child always be with the other person. And I, you know, I, I remember this one couple, I did a uh, a legal separation for them first, and then they came back to actually do the divorce in a year or so. And there were two children, ages seven and nine, both boys. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, these were nice people. I enjoyed working with them. But I said to the father when he came in to initiate the divorce, I said, well, how are the kids? He said, Mm -hmm. not good. Um, They asked to go to therapy. Okay, so these are some enlightened kids, by the way. They asked to go to therapy. So he was there. He was That was fine. And he said, they also... Want ju- they want to just be with me. They don't want my girlfriend with me when it's my co-parenting time. And I said, okay, so they're being very vocal. That's great. He said, no, it's not great. Why do I have to give up my girlfriend? I mean, I'm really talking to the parents now and this tunnel vision you have on what I'm going to say next, your own happiness. And so he said to me, don't I have a right to be happy too? And I said, no, not more than your kids. You don't, you just changed their lives. Right. You just forced a situation on them that they didn't ask for. And if they're not saying they don't like your girlfriend, they're just saying they want one-on-one time with you. What's so hard about that? And the other thing was she had her own home. She didn't mm-hmm. have to be in his home 24-7. Yeah. And so I want to I want you to speak to parents about when your child has the presence of mind to come to you and say, This is what I need. Which is very hard for them. It is so, so hard for a child because oftentimes they bite their tongue. They they don't want to add more stress to your plate. They notice that things are difficult and they, you know, they want to put on a tough front of a, a strong front and just say, no, I'm okay. Don't worry about me. They just don't want to rock the boat. So that takes a lot for them to come and tell you that. And that, you, you know, it is extremely necessary to respond in kind and appreciate that and not just dismiss them. And to your point, Uh, You know, can we just also for a moment redefine what is happiness, right? Like if we look at it in the long term, there's several, I think we are, we have a little bit of an epidemic, um, honestly, with estrangement. And many people are like, oh no, that'll never happen to me. It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that happens as there's rifts that aren't addressed, right? Like uh, needs and bids for specific things from the other person, usually the child. And again, they're not necessarily going to be great about expressing why and how the the questions we have. The point is they're bringing something important to your attention. You need to meet them and try to help them make sense of it so that you can understand them and so that you can both work through that situation together because that's really what's at stake. Um, Are you going to be happy if you lose that relationship, if you lose that connection, right? Is it worth you insisting on, no, you're going to get your way? Because ultimately our children, and this is a very sensitive subject for me because in Russia, kids are possessions. And that was a huge issue with my mom and me. Um, She just kind of couldn't get over the fact that I'm I'm not a possession of hers. And Okay, wait a minute. This is like Ted the teddy bear in (laughs) Ted 2 from Boston, Mark Wahlberg. Mm -hmm. Seth MacFarlane, Ted too. He is not a possession. He's a person. Interesting, interesting thing that you said. In your culture, children are looked at as possessions. When do they stop being a possession? What's that age? Or that question? And I'm not sure. Maybe like when they get married, perhaps. 
when right? It's sort of like, especially with a girl. And again, maybe boys have a different experience, but for sure, it's like, oh, she's, she's your responsibility now, sort of. And the parents are still extremely involved. Like boundaries don't really exist. <laughs> and again, I'm not entirely sure if it's Russian Jews or just my no, family. It's not just but Russian Jews. It's Italians. It's other people. Yes, yeah. I come from Italian. No. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's the key thing is to remember what you're doing as you're navigating these challenging events together, including in conversation as well as in circumstances, like what kind of environment, to your point, that you're providing for your kids, what they're asking for as far as their needs bound, you know, um, kind of creating those separations, right? Maybe it's having to do with time. Maybe it has to do with like certain events they're not comfortable with your spouse or partner to come to. First of all, it can be looked at as temporary, but more what's most important is that you are meeting their needs because it shows that you're respecting them. And as your relationship deepens too, you will be more able to um, perhaps, you know, explore like the reasons as to why and help them maybe move forward, move beyond it, outgrow those those beliefs. Maybe, maybe not, right? But the point is that in order to preserve the relationship, you have to respond to this person like a person. You have to treat them with respect and with consideration, just like you would another adult that you're encountering, right? Like you would never dream of telling your coworker <laughs> how how it is and just basically putting your foot down and saying, no, you, you do as I say. I think so, it's an honor when a child tells a parent they want to spend time with them. I think it's an honor. Yeah, I think parents exactly. miss the point when a child yes. comes. All of a sudden, it, it's, it's between your child and your new partner. No, it's never that. Right. No, no, no. When your child wants to be with you, be with you. Okay, I want to go to your experience as a step-parent now. So... Yeah. I think she was seven. I just, do you mind if I just make one quick note? So my father, on the other hand, when he remarried, interestingly, he started to come to visit me a little bit more often. I would see him maybe like two to three times a year. But the interesting thing is he was never alone, ever. And moreover, my conversations with him, he would literally parrot every word I said, like a megaphone to, I think my stepmom, I can only imagine. Which was extremely frustrating because he said also, he was never alone. Meaning, when you saw with, him two or three yeah. times, he was with his yes. new significant other. Every single time she would come, there wasn't even a question. And um, we actually even had a period of time that we didn't speak. And I mentioned that, hey, in order for us to, you know, come together to to make this right, we just need one on one time. Like we have a lot of our own stuff to work through. And he couldn't even fathom the concept of her not being a part of it. Wow. Um, yeah, so- you know, I'm going to oh, guess he couldn't fathom being with you by himself and having real stuff brought up. That's what yeah, I'm thinking. What do you- That's very likely. I do think that's a very likely piece of it. I also think that it's come to light that he may or may not have some mental health issues, possibly uh, an illness or something that may not have been diagnosed. So I think that's another contributing factor. But my simple point is to, like we've already said, it is, extremely important to honor those requests and spend that time one-on-one. And maybe it can come to the point where it isn't needed, but I think it's just a great healthy thing to do from time to time, regardless of age, regardless of need, right? Like it's a, it's a unique and different experience being a parent compared to being a step-parent. You have- And if you're a parent that is divorced, 
Mm-hmm. And your child wants to spend time with you. Don't think it's to criticize you and make you feel guilty. This is what my thinking Absolutely. is. And I want you to tell me if I'm right or wrong. Yeah. Understand that kids are resilient and they really want bottom line to have a relationship with their parents, even if it wasn't great up until now. Do yes. you think that's true? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's also sort of like a, Perhaps a little bit of like, hey, like confirm for me that I still matter to you, Mm. that I still matter to you, even when this other person isn't around, you know, that you still value like me and us. Yeah. And I actually also encourage, and again, this is a little bit more in like the ideal situations, but I think where possible, it's great to build up the point where the child can have some one-on-one time with the step-parent. Maybe they do like some hobbies together or like some... I don't know, errands together. Like it can look like a number of different things. Um, I think a great rapport building thing to do is just something simple that they don't have to like necessarily look at each other a lot. They could just play a game together. Mini- um, I always oh. suggest mini golf because yep. exactly that's my favorite. But is it really? Oh so my God, many, this is too yeah. funny. <laughs> but there's so many others. It's just where my mind goes. I always think it's so much fun. I but, love that. Nobody else likes miniature golf. I can't believe it. <laughs> so we're going to we'll play in Boston. Yes, absolutely. There's some great spots. Um, But yeah, so, you know, just anything, even if you invite them for a car ride and you're like, hey, I need to run this errand, you know, do you want to come with me? The the sitting next to each other side by side, looking out the window, you can just have some, you know, silly, like not important little chats. And it's great because it also removes the, you know, the having to look at each other in the eyes. It feels so intense, like you're under a spotlight. And there's so much pressure, whereas this mm-hmm. could just be casual chit chat. Yes. And, you know, and you can even be listening to music. You could talk about the song or the artist or a band or ask like, what are, you, what are your favorite bands and kind of right. share about that. It's just any little opportunity. The key is for it to be positive. So again, when it's forced, it's not going to be a positive experience. But when you allow it to be natural and easy and to just happen, then I think that that builds the the opportunities for, hey, this isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. And it actually went well. Oh, and that was pleasant. And now with each one of those moments, whether it's you guys as a unit or again, like hopefully the child and the step-parent alone, they are creating shared experiences, which is really what builds the connection over time. Absolutely. All right. So now you're an adult, you yes. get married and you met your daughter, I, I mean, I know you say stepdaughter, but yeah. if you adopted her. <laughs> yes, as of just daughter. very recently, it's true. She is my daughter officially yeah. as of just December. Yeah. Okay, good. And congratulations for Thank both. Thank you. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, how long did you date your husband, her father, before you got married? So that's another interesting thing. So for me, also step-parent is not somebody who necessarily is married to the to the divorced parent. Really? It's just somebody who is dating, right? Because ultimately, like the dynamic is similar. And a lot of times I feel like today, people aren't necessarily running to the altars quickly. They sometimes prioritize other things, like perhaps um, having a better living situation mm-hmm. or sometimes other things, things that kids might need, right? So they yeah. have different reasons as to why they might not be rushing to make it legal, if you will. Um, So we 
actually just got married in May of last year, but we've been together for, um, it'll be 12 years this May. Oh my, how did you get married? Well, we always wanted oh, to, but it was just, you know, one of those, you had to be married, those things. No, actually, no? I don't, I don't think that we necessarily would have, especially that my, my daughter, so she turned 18. So she um, technically just got to, she just got to have say, and that was something that she did before her 17th birthday. So she met with mom and had the conversation and everything too. So, mm. but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we dated for several months and I tried to convince him to basically have a better role model for his daughter and told him I'd help him out with that, but he wasn't having it. Um, and we, I didn't meet her until we were very, very serious. And essentially it was like, she was the deciding factor. If we get along, great, we get to pass go. And if if we don't, then that's where it stops for us. Wow, how nice, how child-centric that is. Yeah, yeah. It was... Um, I mean, my my husband obviously led the charge. He was just really in touch with what was needed, you know, as I was kind of like freaking out about the whole situation. Um, I also had left an unhealthy relationship before. And so I think I was just still like getting my footing with all of that as well. Um, but I, I stressed to him, you know, how, how critical it was that she's comfortable, that she, you know, that she's taken care of, which was, you know, a reason why I was trying to convince him to find a better partner. But, um, yeah. Wait so, a minute, you were trying to convince him to find another woman? Yeah. And- so what happened was we started out being friends and when he was kind of flirting, right, I was like, no, this is not a good idea idea. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. You need, you need a good role model for your child. You need stability. You need somebody who, and I think I was just terrified because, you know, I'd been through trauma in the last relationship and I definitely had been through trauma with divorce and with parenting. And I just thought, you know, I, I'm not prepared. I don't have the skills. And he helped me to realize that it was because of the experiences I had that I knew what not to do because I know firsthand what that felt like. And so I, kind of sat with that for a little while and realized he's he's pretty spot on. So and I he, like him already. <laughs> I do. Yeah. It was it was pretty wise of him to to point that out. So I think that Absolutely. helped me to calm my fears. And then of course, you know, again, because we were dating and naturally I was very seriously considering this responsibility that I would potentially be taking on if if we did make it more official and if I did meet her because I knew like it's not like I meet her and I get to leave. Like, no, we, <laughs> this is a, this is a responsibility that I'm taking on. I can't just be in and out of her life. This is um, such an excellent point that you just made. It's like birthing a child. When you go to decide, okay, we're going to start a family now, you're in it. You're in it yeah. for life and you don't know what your child is going to be like. And so what an excellent point you just made. Even as a step parent, you're in it for life. Just because you're not bio mom doesn't mean you're not real mom. Yeah. Moreover, I've heard of really beautiful stories where even if the marriage didn't last, the step parents still had a relationship with the children or yeah. the child. And I think that's phenomenal. And that's definitely how I look at it. Like there are situations where that's not possible, of course, right? Like kids still get the choice and for whatever reason, um, they may just never be open to it or they may hold grudges or, you know, circumstances are different. But I just think that's such a beautiful sentiment. And to your point, you know, nobody ever gets married to get divorced. And I think, again, where possible, preserving those relationships 
relationships, even if you're not able to preserve the relationship with your ex-partner, they're, again, they're different people. They're their own entities and you likely played a significant role for them in their life. So, you know, you both deserve that. You both deserve to have that relationship carry forward. What challenges, if any, did you have at the onset of meeting your daughter at age seven? Yeah, she was literally turning seven when I met her. It was her birthday weekend. Um, I think I was just terrified. I wanted to make a good impression and I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> I was just really overwhelmed. Yeah. And she was phenomenal. She was so sweet right away. She took to me extremely well. Oh. And I think actually the challenge more was, hey, like slow down, right? Like I needed to her to understand and my husband stepped right in um, to help her understand. But, um, you know, that essentially I'm not, I'm not mom. I'm not trying to take the role of mom. And that, you know, she's, she still has two parents who love her and, you know, she was really young. And so, um, you know, we later found out that there was trauma, but that we didn't know about any of that in the beginning. So, was she clinging to you? Was it like too, too much too soon? Kind of a little bit. Yes. Yeah. A little bit. Like she wanted me to stay over and she wanted to do everything uh, with me. And then she's like, Oh, I wish you were my mom. Yeah. So yeah. So really early on, she was, yeah. So we, we had to kind of, again, like pace her a bit because we, we just didn't realize what was happening. I do not want to expose anything about mom. Mom's not part of this interview. Yeah. So I, I, all I want to say is there were challenges with biological mom and daughter, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was, we later found out essentially it was just abuse and neglect and it was pretty significant. And uh, she didn't tell us about it. We would check in from time to time because she's living with a strange man, right? Or a new man, a man that she didn't know up until up until mom got together with him. And, uh, and so we would just check in because also she would have like really, really intense responses to like not finishing her homework or not getting it right. Or, and she would just be terrified and in tears. And so we'd check in and say like, what, what's going on? Like, what happens? What, why are you so afraid? Why are you so upset? And again, hindsight is always 2020. Uh, but unfortunately we, we didn't realize and she was silenced. So she never spoke up until one day, five years in when she divulged information um, about inappropriate things going on in the house. And it was, you know, for her, it was a slip up. It was like, yeah, you know how sometimes this happens. And I was like, don't freak out, don't freak out, don't freak out, don't freak out, give more details. Cause she was really young wow. and she had a habit of talking where she, you know, and I, th again, I didn't have as much experience with kids. So I, it wasn't clear to me, okay, so she can't have cohesive ways of talking because of trauma, right? Like mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, she's a child. So that makes sense. Like she's just still catching up. We also later found out she was ADHD. Um, so she was recently diagnosed with that. But okay. so uh, she would share, you know, she, so she shared a little bit. And then I was like, I just need to stay calm and get more details to really understand the situation because maybe she's misspeaking or, you know, I'm not going to jump to conclusions here. I mean, this is- And it was, it was very hard. And it was unfortunately like the worst nightmare. But at the same time, it was so much relief because there had been so many of these unidentified like things. Like she was really struggling with school and she'd come home and we'd teach her whole concepts of all the subjects and literally spend her whole weekends doing that for a while, like 
it was frustrating because we love to enjoy and go on day trips and like have all these fun things planned for the weekend. And we couldn't enjoy any of that with her. And, you know, even the holidays, like normally we do all these different holiday festivities around the holidays and we couldn't do any of that for about, I would say a year and a half to two years. And it got really, really bad. And the tension built up and we just felt like she's exhausted, but what can we do? Like we want to support her. And there was all these unexplained scenarios that were happening with her. And so she would feel really guilty, but then she'd do all this work and then wouldn't turn it in. So we we just couldn't get to the bottom of it. So when she started to reveal this in a weird way, that's what made everything else make sense. And it just, it felt like a nightmare, but also relief all at the same time, because it's like, finally, at least we know, and now we can help her and now we can do what is necessary to do. So, yeah. Okay. So Once you got through all of that and the household, your household started settling down and making the assumption you were living together. Yes, we were. Okay. So, and the household started settling down and there was a routine, this, that, and the other thing. Did you run into any of the common challenges that all step families run into, which is discipline? (laughs) Great question. So I think... We ran into it early on. I had some specific views. I wasn't so much discipline, but I, I definitely, you know, had some specific views. For example, like this might be silly, but, you know, don't put your school backpack on your bed because it's dirty. Like you're you're throwing it oh. on the floor, you know, like just different little things that apparently were just different at her mom's, which is fine. You know, everybody has their own approaches. But, um, and, you know, I joke that I have like a little bit of OCD. It runs in the women in my family. We're <laughs> all a little bit germaphobic and OCD a little bit. Um, but, you know, so I think I was always just really open with her and shared with her. And because she, she was, she took to me so well. And because she was pretty young when I entered the picture, it's interesting. I think it was just more confusing for her. Like, well, how come this is okay at moms and, and you guys don't want me to do these oh, things? Oh, right. That's so normal. Yeah. Yeah. So that was tough for her to wrap her mind around. And I think, you know, my family, again, Russian Jews, like lots of strong emotions flying around and they're not used to that because um, I think my husband, so my husband is Japanese and like Irish, Scottish mix. So like a very different temperament, right? Like they're very internal, (laughs) very quiet and calm. Um, And I think that was a challenge for her. So when I would rev up. I'm like, oh, like we're sharing, da, 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 da. And like everything just comes like barreling at you intensely. And I think that was really, really difficult for her to grasp. So I'm not sure that it was necessarily discipline specific. It was just that I'm an open book and I just like wear it all. Like, you know, I, I, I'm a terrible liar, they say, because like I just wear my emotions on my sleeve. And well, I'd the love same as... I'd love to get you in a mediation if you're a terrible liar. <laughs> then it would be easy to know. Um, what, because we're getting to the end of our time. Yeah. What is the single, if there is such a thing, single sure. biggest or one of the biggest priorities that new step parents need to know for the, the, just to build the best relationship they can with their new children? Yes. So first of all, I think, and this is definitely true in my situation, um, and this isn't just for step parents, this is really for step families. I think it's critical to have the support of your spouse, the bio parent. I think it is so important for them to be on the same page. 
um, even and hash out their stuff, you know, like together without the kids being involved, even if you have to touch on it, because right, like in, in our best scenarios, we can't always protect our kids from all of the, you know, perhaps like discord or arguments or what have you, like that happens, we're human. I think what is key though, is to, it's very chaotic and very disruptive for kids when they witness a lot of that and it's not really explained and, it, and it's not resolved. And then when nobody talks to them about it. So I think it's key that when that happens, the two adults go and they figure it out and then they come up with whatever the plan is and maybe they involve their kids. I do think it's a good idea where possible to involve kids because again, it helps them to um, learn how to navigate challenges, how to speak their mind, right? Like be encouraged to speak their mind. And also sometimes they have really great ideas for how to come up with a resolution or how to collaborate on problem solving. So where possible, definitely including them in that. But I think what's really key is that there is that united front and that overall, just in, in terms of some, some general kind of rules or ways you go about doing things that the adults are on the same page. Um, I know that was instrumental in my husband's and my relationship and my relationship with my stepdaughter. Um, he would say, yeah, I get it. You might not like the way she's saying it, but what she's saying makes a lot of sense and she's coming from a really loving place. Um, and I think that was really key and it took them a while to, I'm not saying it was always easy, but I'm, but I just think that makes such a huge difference. And the other piece was, I never tried to, sometimes we feel as adults that we have to like put on a front, right? Like we know everything or we can do everything or like we've got this together. And I never tried to do any of that. I was very honest with her about like, yeah, I'm not really sure like how, how to do this. Like I, here's my intention. Here's what I would like. I hope you know I care about you, but I'm not the expert here. Like, what do you think? Or what do you think about this? And I think that is also really key is to just, you know, just be yourself and be open. When you don't know something, you don't know it. And like, it's an opportunity for you guys to learn together, to explore together, possibly find some resources together. Um, but yeah. Okay, so my takeaway from this is, A, try as the new parent, try and mm -hmm. get to know the other, your counterpart, yes. the biological parent as much as possible. <laughs> I saw this work in my own family. I have a relative that married somebody with two kids and her husband did not get along with his ex-wife. <clears throat> And so that was, you know, a struggle. But then when um, my relative said, I want to, I'd like to see if I can get along with your ex-wife. Mm -hmm. I think we need this connection between our new family and their mother, their biological mother. And so she took it upon herself and she said, we're now friends because we didn't have the issues that broke the two biological yeah. parents up, think right. about this. And so they were able to, so my relative and, and the biological parents now work together because my relative said, I just want to meet her myself, see where we can connect so that we can be a really good blended family. And it worked. And, and so, th so that is th the little message you may not have the same issues the yes. new parent as the biological two parents have. You may not, so you have to give it a try. Absolutely. And the other thing is, I love what you said, Maria, be yourself. Nobody has all the answers. 
nobody. We, you know, things come up. We've never dealt with them before. And so to be yourself. And if there is, lastly, before we leave, if there is a disciplined disagreement, maybe you're out, something happens, and you, the step-parent, go to discipline, and biological parent is like, oh, no, I would have never done it that way. Oh, my gosh, no, she's stepping on a a minefield here. (laughs) What do I do? How do I step in? What do you do? In that moment, I would say to take a break for sure and ask maybe everybody to take a break. That's what works really well in our family. We literally actually sometimes are like, let's take five, we'll set a timer, we go to our each our individual corners. That does wonders. First of all, it calms emotions because, right, like when we're in that panic mode, we're dysregulated, we're, we're panicking, we're not thinking clearly. So nothing good ever happens. And likely a lot of things that we don't mean to say and don't mean to do end up happening. So to prevent that, just take a break, disperse, take a meet, take a beat, like whether it's go to the bathroom, let's just step outside, whatever that looks like. And um, and then it just helps you to calm your own emotions, reflect back, digest on what happened, what maybe is the best thing to do next. And likely that will lead you to the best outcome. So whether that next best step is, okay, I just need to pull my partner aside and just have a little powwow with them for a moment. Yeah, for sure. And and maybe just say to the child, we're taking a break. So you don't want to pull the rug out from under the step parent. You still need to be, we're all going to just take a break. This is tough for everybody. Let's have some fun. Yes, exactly. Let's just figure out what just went on. Exactly. Let's just take a drink, right? Like whatever. Yeah, maybe you can <laughs> offer your child a margarita. I mean, <laughs> just you a cold need beverage. alcohol, honey. I don't care that you're just six. You need a cocktail ASAP. ASAP. Stat. Well, cocktail what stat. What happens sometimes if we have a cold beverage, it also helps to like cool the central nervous system. Oh. So... Yeah. And for me, I'm always cold, so I prefer a warm beverage, but it does, it does have that effect. So ultimately just a, a drink truly like it disrupts the pattern of whatever it is you're doing. It gives you that break away from people and you get a liquid and it changes your body temperature. So that also. That, that also was, a, that's a brilliant last statement. That's a brilliant takeaway. Thank you, Maria. Of course, But I do agree with you. Um, so I do think that, you know, step parents where possible should refrain from discipline at all times. However, you can approach conversations where maybe your stepchild is doing something that you don't agree with or you don't appreciate. You could just approach it from a civic perspective of like, hey, I that really hurts my feelings. You know, like I, I always try my best to do X, Y, Z. Like, could you please do that for me too? Or like, how can I, you know, exploring it together in a conversational manner rather than a discipline with like consequences and that harsh, right? Like parents can get away with that because they already have been doing it and they have that relationship with them. But I strongly urge step-parents not to go down that rabbit hole. So if if an incident happens and both parents are around, are you suggesting that the step-parent not engage in discipline, but what do you do? What's the alternative? You look at the biological parent and say, we need help here. What do you do? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Or perhaps bring it gently. You know, maybe maybe it's an excuse. And there's an opportunity to go chat with the biological parent and just say, hey, you know, 
we've talked about this or, hey, I that really upsets me. Like, I think this is a serious concern. We need to consider it. The other thing is to remember, even if you don't do anything on the spot, it's not like you can't go back to it and talk about it later. And honestly, in some situations, that may be your very best alternative because yeah. things are going, you know, that momentum is built. Whatever is going to go down may just be going down. You're not going to stop that train. <laughs> However, when you take the time to get calm, have the conversations you need to, usually between the adults, um, to explore like, hey, do you also think this is as big of an issue or am I am I just sensitive? You know, like, and that's oh, why having conversations about this regularly between the parents is so important and valuable because mm -hmm. the step parent does have a new perspective. Sometimes the parents has blinders on a little bit, right? Like they... Yeah. Those are their kids and they, or they just have a different perspective from all of it. Or they even see themselves, their kids differently because they've been with them their whole lives. They might not be realizing, oh, wow, they're growing up or how oh, this is a new behavior. They just yeah. might not notice. So it's useful to have the step parent's perspective. However, explore it together so that you guys are on the same page and, and truly just try your best to be open. Because again, I know all of us have a tendency to get defensive, especially when our little ones are involved. Yeah. It's natural, but- yeah. Can you just take a beat and really reflect to see, is there some value to what this person has to say and that they're bringing to your attention? And then once you've done that, maybe it calls for a conversation with the stepchild and you can reflect on whatever went down that maybe wasn't optimal or perhaps is just concerning. And you can explore that together and then come up with, you know, how do we move forward or what do we do next right. time this happens? Right. Well, Maria, thank you for everything. It was a great conversation. I really appreciated it. I learned some new things <laughs> that I did not know after 14 years of working in family law. And I always appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So even though your contact information will be in the show notes or are in the show notes by the time yeah. this airs, and we know that you live in a biting distance from Mike's Pastry <laughs> in Boston, um, easiest way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, I think um, just my website. So Synergistic Step Parenting, that's two Ps, .com. And they're also welcome to email me at maria at synergisticstepparenting.com or give me a call at 617-419-0878. That's great. Thank you. Maria, it was delightful. Thanks. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we will do this again sometime. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed this conversation. Absolute pleasure. And thank all of you, of course, for listening. I hope this benefited you because this is in almost every family. It's pervasive now. So I know that quite a few of you listening have, have this experience or you know people that are going through the step family blended ex, uh, family experience. So you know, please share this with uh, people that um, can benefit from it. Uh, I always look forward to your comments. Please feel free uh, through my website, theamicabledivorceexpert.com to email me. But you know, as always, the single more, most important thing, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves. Be kind to your spouse and cherish your children above all else. 